Well, welcome. We're going to pick up this week in Ephesians chapter 4, the first 10 verses. And let's remember that the last couple of weeks we've talked about the mystery that God has hidden in plain sight. And that mystery is Christ in you and Christ in me, the hope of glory. Uh, through Christ indwelling us by His Holy Spirit, He is completing what He started in us uh, when He said, let us make man in our image. But it wasn't some static achievement. It's the ongoing, real-time dynamic of His life living in us and His life living through us. Um, we've probably heard that all of our lives and never really understood. I know I did for, didn't for a long time understand what it meant to have his life live through me. But then we looked at a few weeks ago about how Christ showed us how to do that by the way he lived on planet Earth when he said to his Father, not my will, but your will be done. And so this great mystery has taken place. He has given us himself to dwell in a clean temple. And we are that temple. He's not looking to build a kingdom out there somewhere, that we are his kingdom. Okay, so what is our place in this kingdom? What Now that we are in and he is in us, well, now what? Well, the next passage here in Ephesians 4 starts with the word therefore, and you'll see in a moment. And that word therefore, whenever you see that, look back and see what it's there for. <laughs> An old saying I heard years ago. And so let's pick up that passage and read it, and then we'll discuss it some. Ephesians 4, 1 through 10. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. And one spirit, just as you were all called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now there's that whole envelope thing I showed you a couple of weeks ago about Christ is in you by the Spirit, and you're in Christ, and Christ is in the Father. So here it says that. Verse 7, to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, uh, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? And he who descended, is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens that he might rule all things. Again, the basic reality of the new covenant is that when we are in Christ and Christ is in us, everything is wrapped up in him. It's not like, well, he made a down payment and left the installments to us. It's not like, well, now he got us started. Now it's up to, up to us to keep this thing going. You know, he gave us a new birth, but we had to raise ourselves. Now, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. It's our Father who is nurturing us to maturity. All right, so he says, therefore. Again, what is it therefore? Well, he just said that there's this mystery 
in chapter 3 that's been revealed to the saints. And he was made a minister of that gospel to reveal this mystery among the Gentiles. It had been revealed among the, the Jewish nation for millenniums, but they hadn't seen it. And so the apostles, through the Holy Spirit in them, were also bringing this mystery to the, to the Jewish nation, uh, which is why they crucified Christ, because he spoke of something very different than the idea that God gave us a bunch of rules to keep up with, and if you keep them good enough, then you'll be accepted before God. You'll be self-righteous. No, righteousness has always been by faith. That's the mystery. And it, it, the faith that you have in Christ means he gives you himself as a gift and lives inside of you, not just in case of emergency, talk to him if you need him, but he is your very life. He is the very dynamic through which you and I as children of God are being taught and trained to live out of that new power. It's such a wonderful thing. It's, it's in context of knowing him throughout the scripture because to trust him in the moment to the point that when he wants to speak, those words come out of my mouth. I have to know him well enough to be able to hear his voice and understand what is his voice and what's not. There's a lot of voices around us all the time. Well, one of the things this thing does for us in the therefore is it establishes the fact that every one of us stand on level ground. There's a statement that came out, who knows when, maybe 2,000 years ago, not too long after the advent of Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit. We call it the priesthood of the believer. You know, Peter talks about us being a, a royal priesthood, that no longer is there a need for go-betweens, for someone to stand in our stead in the presence of God and represent us before him because we needed that. No, because Christ is in us and we are in Christ, the Bible says in Hebrews, we can boldly approach the throne of grace to find help in time of need. And that means every one of us stands on level ground as far as our acceptability before God, our entrance into his kingdom, uh, the, the level of forgiveness we've received. It doesn't mean we're all at the same level maturity-wise. That's something we're continuing to grow in, and we'll see that as we go on through Ephesians later on. But this, this whole idea that Christ did something for us, and he's doing it in us continually. It's not a one-time and it's over deal. It's something that happened and continues to happen. He made us righteous and keeps us righteous. He made us holy and keeps us holy. He taught us how, who he is and who we are in Christ, and he's continuing to teach us who he is and who we are in him. It's an ongoing thing that will probably go on for all of eternity, I hope. <laughs> It'll take us about that long to figure it all out, for him to actually reveal his infinite nature and character to us and be able to reveal it all through us. Now, you who are in Christ... And more importantly, if Christ is in you, this is paramount in living by faith. Just to know that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. You're not here to do this alone. That is the mystery of the, of the gospel. That is the mystery that was hidden in plain sight since the very beginning. It was always to be 
us living life connected to the one who is life. Another thing about us being on level ground, Jesus paid the same price for each one of us. He didn't have to pay more for some people because they were either worth more or a higher price because their sins were worse and so they had to pay a greater penalty. No, he paid the exact same penalty, the exact same amount of blood to purchase our salvation, each one of us. And so none of us has to believe that, well, someone else is more valuable to the kingdom of God. That's not true. You know, in Corinthians, it talks about all being members of a body. And sometimes the ones who even seem to be less important in the moment, day in and day out, they may be more important. Not because they're more important than the other part, but they're at that moment, in this point in time, their gifts, their talents, uh, what Christ is in them and through them is more pertinent to what the need of the moment is. And we should always give that kind of respect and honor to each other, especially the ones who don't appear to be, the Bible says, as honorable as others, because in reality, they are just as honorable, just as needful, just as valuable to the body of Christ as anyone else. And so this mystery not only is to us, but it extends through us. So by showing us our value, by purchasing us and coming to live inside of us. He wants to live through us in such a way that other people understand their value. Obviously, the lost need to know that he paid the price for them. But sometimes our fellow believers are lost in the old concepts of life that I'm not worth much or um, I'm just not as desirable or acceptable or whatever to God as someone else. When in reality, it was Christ who secured our acceptability. All right, what this will do for us is it will bring unity rather than I'm up here and you're down there or you're up there and I'm down here and oh, woe is me. It's we're all here together. You know, the foot cannot say because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body and those kind of things that it talks about in Corinthians. You can't determine um, the value of one part based on another. And because that's true and it is one body, Okay, the hand, the foot, the eye, the ear, the brain, you know, the backbone, the knee joints, all those things are all part of one body, like here. Well, the same is true in the body of Christ. And being members of one body, we are to take care of all the other members. You know, if your foot hurts, you might massage it with your hands. Why? Dumb foot shouldn't have kicked the chair. And, you know... It stinks anyway, right? No, it's your foot. Massage the thing. Take care of it. Soak it in some hot water. Whatever's necessary to, to get the foot to feeling better because if the foot doesn't work, the whole body has trouble getting around, right? So every part of the body of Christ is like that. So since we're one body and we're unified and it's Christ in you, he's not going to be good to you and, and bad to another part of his body. He's not going to be pleased with this part of his body and displeased with that part of his body. He wants us all to grow healthily into this oneness, this unity that is brought about in Christ. This part in the last part of our passage, we talked about he ascended and descended and all that kind of stuff. What is that all about? Well, he came down here for us. 
Okay, that that is a mind-blowing reality if you ever really spend time thinking about it. He left what he had and came here. The Bible says he emptied himself and took the form of the lowest servant of all and humbled himself even to death on the cross. Why? For you and me. There wasn't some deal he needed. He wasn't building some kingdom and he needed a bunch of worker bees to make it happen. And that's us. No, we are the kingdom we talked about last time. And he came for us. Okay, so he descended to get us. And the Bible says, you know, when he was raised, he went right back to the right hand of God and was seated with him in glory. And we'll see later in Ephesians, it says that we are seated with him in heavenly places. All right, but one thing he did for us, it talks about in this passage, is he gave gifts to men. And we're going to talk about even more next week, what those gifts mean. But he did this so that each one of us would have the necessary elements to be uh, that valuable, effective part of his body that is here not only to display life to the world around us that's lost, but also give life to each other. You know, it talked about having sincere love of the brethren and lifting up one another and encouraging one another. And all the more as you say, see the day drawing near. Lots of passages about how we as the body of Christ, the members of the body, are to take care of one another. You know, the world tells us if you need the valuable places at the top, in order to get there, you have to climb on top of everybody else to get there. Uh, it's, a, it's a very destructive form of ideology. It doesn't help anybody. The one who reaches the top is probably at least as much, if not sometimes more hurt than anyone else in the process because they've been totally deceived. Jesus proved the value that each one has as they find their way to the bottom. He that would be greatest among you must be the servant of all. He didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so it's really important that we realize that Christ came to do something a certain way, and he continues to do what he does that exact same way. Serving, lifting us up, infusing us with life, speaking truth, uh, being honest with us about our thoughts and behaviors, um, helping someone not only know what they're doing wrong, but also know what they're doing right, to encourage them along the way in their walk with Christ, to trust him more, and to get to know him better, share with each other the things we know about God that we have found to be true that give us peace and uh, that ability to rest in him and not fidget and, and squirm around trying to figure out what life's all about on our own. You know, he taught us how to lift each other up when he said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And he emptied himself, took that form of a servant, the Bible says. And then it says also that we are seated with him. Not in this particular passage, but it talks about it. We were raised up with him in other places. The scripture talks about that. And because of that, because of where we are in Christ and Christ is in us, we literally have nothing to prove. Because like I said, he took the lowest position and he served us. And in him... We have nothing to prove except that others are just as valuable as we are. The only thing I need to prove is to someone else that they're just as valuable as I am. I don't need to one-up somebody else. It doesn't help. Um, 
I got to meditating on a verse one time in 2 Corinthians 10, I believe verse 12, it says, when we class and compare ourselves like some of those who commend themselves, we're without understanding. You know, starting in the Garden of Eden, Satan tempted us to compete because he had decided to be a competitor. He was going to compete with God and take the highest throne in all creation and in heaven and earth. All right. But that, that idea of competing with one another, to be over top of one another, to, to dominate, you know, in marriages, husbands and wives and wives over husbands and, you know, the bully at school trying to dominate all the other kids. It's, it's infused into our society, countries trying to dominate other countries. That's been going on since the beginning, just about. All right, so what is this all about? Well, we're trying to claw our way to the top and prove that we're somebody in order that we would feel good about ourselves by looking down on everybody else. But that is, that is totally empty and non-satisfying. People who make their way to the top find themselves very lonely because all the people that love you and care about you and that you can walk with and interact with are at the bottom. And so it's very lonely at the top. That's an old saying that's been around for a long time. And it truly is. Uh, there's nothing there. In Ephesians chapter 1, uh, it says that he brought about these things in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. In chapter 2, it said he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In order that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So Jesus came down, did what he needed to do. He was raised back up to heaven. And when we are in Christ, it says we've been raised up and seated with him so that throughout all the ages to come, he can display the riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So as he is kind and generous and loving and instructing and caring and nurturing towards us, it displays the riches of Christ forever. So this mystery, it turns out, of Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the most practical and powerful dynamic that exists. Nothing else compares to this. So if you're, like I did for a long time, are pursuing some other way to make our name for ourselves, some other way to become notable, uh, accepted, valuable, all of those will end with dissatisfaction and failure. But in Christ, we find our true identity, our true worth and value, and our, the ability to truly express the very nature we were created to express when he said, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. This is the mystery of godliness. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it levels the playing field. It gives us value. It gives us talents and gifts and things that we can use not to build ourselves up and say, hey, everybody look at me, but to build others up and say to everybody, look at Jesus. Because he is the author and the finisher of faith. He is the supply of everything we need. He is the power to surrender our will to God's will every day out of trust and that ability to rest in him, knowing that he always 
like the Bible says, is the good shepherd who leads us beside still waters, prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies, gives us green pastures, and we can dwell in his house forever. It talks about in Psalm 23. Well, I love you. I will continue to research this in my own life and mind and seek to know and understand this mystery of Christ in me. And I want to help you do the same thing through this series and the other teachings that we do. So God bless you and let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have not made this mystery difficult or demanding. Uh, you haven't distanced yourself from us. You've brought yourself near through Christ and you are wooing us into that nearness in our thinking just as we have become near to you in the Spirit through new birth and in your dwell, indwelling Holy Spirit. Thank you that you will never give up on us, that you will complete what you started in each of your children. Thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen.